the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Afternoon, everybody. It's a rainy, cold day. So let's uh, start off with some Shakespeare. He's the greatest writer of all time. The Fool thou think he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. (laughs) Ain't that true? Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrown upon them. That's Twelfth Night. By the way, the first one was from As You Like It, All the World's a Stage. There is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Hell is empty, and all the devils are here. It is not the stars to hold our destiny, but in ourselves. And then finally, my favorite from Richard II. I forgot. (laughs) Uh, I have wasted time. Now time has wasted me. My apologies, Saturday afternoon. Anyway, um, you know, I I was looking at stuff. And, and, you know, a couple weekends ago, uh, I talked about yields being oversold. Or yield, yeah, being oversold or overbought, whatever way you want to look at it, and uh, the dollar uh, also that way, and uh, they're starting to pick up a little bit. So I'm going to say this again: you know, inflation's been coming down, and it's pretty over. You know, the inflation numbers are pretty oversold, and and people are getting too bullish again. And I, uh, I don't like that. So I, I, I would suggest, and now I'm I'm not listening to our economists here. I'm talking technically, okay. So technically, I expect there to be a bounce in inflation. So there, that's I said it. Now, stocks have ignored uh, recessions before, okay, once before. And one of the things that jumped out in uh, some of the stuff that Lori Calvacina put up, uh, you know, she always talks with the equity investors. And they have asked whether, you know, the stock market has ever bottomed before an actual recession got underway. And, and we generally highlighted our belief that the S&P 500 did that in a recession as October 20, uh, 2022 low. Um, but it, it also, dating back to the 1930s, it did it. So, you know, that's something to think about. Uh, it's not the first time. And, and inflation discussions uh, have fade in, in company commentaries. That's another topic that seems to be emerging. And that's why I'm thinking that, you know, there'll just be a little, ball, you know, burst up just to make sure everybody uh, pays attention. It, it also gives the Fed one more chance to raise rates, and it's gone hog wild, and I think they should slow down. As a matter of fact, Tom Porcelli, who has left us, um, who is our head economist, uh, has basically said they should stop. So there we go. But what else jumps out? Um, in, in, in If you look at the high-frequency indicators, the NASDAQ futures position among asset managers isn't back to peak yet, but it's getting close. All right. So 
what does it mean? It signals a short-term peak. And um, banks uh, continue to stabilize, which is a positive for the broader market. And this reflects uh, increasing confidence the, re- the recent banking crisis will likely end in a contained manner. Okay, And earnings revisions trends have been stronger for growth than value recently. Uh, but this may change if banks remain strong. So we'll see what happens. And flows to foreign equity funds have faltered. The U.S. is no longer looks highly overvalued versus Europe. Europe well, we talked about Europe uh, back in January, and we said Europe was doing better, and, and it still hasn't given it up. But look, here's a couple things uh, that I've seen, and, and you know, uh, I will just say, you know, one of the things I, I kind of I look for uh, is I, I've looked at a couple things like the VIX, and the VIX broke 17 this week. And, you know, a couple other things that have happened that, you know, I, you know, look, the, the S&P 500 is up 8% year to date. And there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many people are sitting on the sidelines. And I talked to a gentleman who, who came in, uh, oh, we had breakfast together, actually. And um, he told me, I, I don't want to have anything to do with the stock market. And I smiled and I said, boy, that, that's bullish. And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? And then I just told him, I said, it's bullish. But this, these are fairly impressive gains. This does not feel like a bull market for, for investors. There are several reasons. And I think the Fed is tightening and it's stated it intends to keep on hiking. All right. Uh, earnings per share estimates are down. And, uh, you know, you're, you're negative. And the stock market is be, beginning to feel like a bull market is one of the percent of up days reached 65%. So 65% of the days have been up this year. That's the highest figure since November 2021. And for the 15-month period from December 2021 to 2023, the figure never exceeded 60. Okay? So we're starting to see some stuff up. But look, I'm just saying something. We're, we're, we're at the 200-day moving average on a lot of big cap stocks. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I like to talk about is, um, you know, you have to think, you know, this is a chess match. So you've got to be one step ahead. OK. Oh, by the way, I'm supposed to say that uh, this is a live show. The number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Uh, but look, I, I think, you know, with the with the volatility index breaking down, um, we're going to get a big move one way or another. And I just don't know which direction it's going to be. Uh, the bullish percent still in the column of O's is below 50. So that's a good sign. Um, and oil didn't hold. You know, oil broke out based on the fact that OPEC was, you know, cutting production and it didn't hold. So what's that all about? And uh, so there's, you know, I looked at the earnings, and 82% of the companies are beating by a margin of about six, uh, 7.6%. All right, so that's that's equally interesting. Um, so we're we're seeing a lot of stuff, you know. And somebody asked me, "Do you think the bears are trapped?" And I don't know, but I can tell you the 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 amount of people short the S and P 500 is significant, and I think they're using it as a hedge, but it also could become Substantial buying power. This is the futures now. Okay, so this could be substantial buying power 
if if we were to get a rally, if you know, if if we're wrong, and it is bearish, uh, a lot of people are going to be right. Which you know, usually the stock market uh, is makes sure that the most amount of people are wrong. Okay, so the bearish thesis is is largely anchored on the view that the U.S. will have a hard landing, and it's inve- ine- inevitable. Okay. And, you know, because you had the rapid rate hikes. Um, look, overlooking the hard nose analysis by the Fed staff members that came out this week, uh, the, the same team and seemingly, you know, made the forecast on, hey, <laughs> don't don't worry about inflation. It's going to roll over. OK, so these are the same guys. So, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I don't have a great deal of confidence. And I, I know the Fed's looking at a lot of material and. Uh, maybe they're on edge a little bit, but look, the, relative to the bearish consensus, the upside case for stocks rests on a couple things. First, inflation is falling faster than consensus. Uh, and I think second, the, the Fed could be done raising rates after this one. Third, the equity market and even the bond market to an extent are arguing the opposite of a recession. So we'll see what happens. And, you know, look, uh, Tom Lee has written multiple times back, uh, I think going back as far as October 12th of last year, that the low is in for the cycle. All right. Uh, Rob Schleimer is kind of saying the same thing. And so is it Mark Newton. You know, Rob Schleimer is our head technician. And Mark Newton is the head technician for uh, the folks over at Fundstrat. So we are in kind of a grind mode, though. You know, we're going, we're moving sideways and it's, it's tough to watch, okay? Uh, now, also, you know, the odds of a 25 basis point move in May went to 88% this week. Uh, but, you know, we have softening labor markets. Uh, we've got, um, you know, so you got, there's a lot of things coming in here that are starting to show, you know, hey, uh, we've got some problems. But if you look at the first quarter earnings per share, they're better than they were than were feared. That's that's the term that we're hearing now. Better than feared, with 84 companies reporting 17% of the S&P 500, 79% are are beating with a with a beat margin of about 5.7%. That's not bad. All right. So, you know, we do have the chance of, uh, you know, a 25 basis points a move. But look, in mid October 2008, with blood all over the streets, Warren Buffett. I don't like his politics, but he's a smart guy. Penned the New York Times column, Buy America, I Am. And amid the hysteria, the Oracle of Omaha made another contrarian move in a career defined by them. He predicted some of the U.S. most outstanding companies would be setting for profits in 5, 10, 20 years. He was dead on. Okay? Look, by the age of 30, Warren Buffett had amassed a net worth of a million dollars back when a million dollars meant something, or 9.3 million adjusted for inflation. He has invested through wars, bubbles, panics, recession, political environments. You know, he's made nearly all of his wealth after his 65th birthday, a masterclass in the power of compounded interest is what it is. In an era of contrast, notifications, price reminders, and trade apps, Buffett's continued approach to stand out. He buys and holds for the long term. If you're willing to own a stock for 10 years, don't even think about owning it for 10 minutes, Buffett said. 
people are forgetting that left and right right now. Okay. On May 6th, you know, thousands of investors are going to flock to Omaha for, for Berkshire Hathaway's annual report. Uh, I think, uh, you know, if you look at it, Warren has been a type of guy, but he's a real, he buys businesses. And that's what you forget. Everybody wants to do it two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. That's not the way you get wealthy. You get wealthy over a long period of time. That's simple. So, uh, look, I think if you're a business person, you'll be a better investor. You know, you don't expect your business to turn you into a millionaire right away. By the way, if you are a business person, I know how to put more money away in your 401k and your IRA and that type of thing. We have a group called Dunbar and Bender, who Dane Topic has been on the show numerous times. He's a great guy to listen to. All right. Uh, so if you, you know, if you compound your money when the government can't touch it, it compounds a lot faster. Trust me on that one. So look, uh, the, there's a lot of people talking about the dollar now. I've heard a lot about it. You know, I've had lots of questions this week. People have been calling my office. The dollar's roles in currency reserves again being questioned, and uh, we look past the hype to explain why we believe a change is neither intimate nor uh, catastrophic. Uh, the financial press has been full tilt on the dollar getting killed, and currency reserves are held by central banks and foreign institutions for several reasons, primarily to provide stability and to purchase key imports during periods of domestic or, or global economic crisis, okay? So for decades, the U.S. dollar has been the currency of choice. And despite the name, we think the real benefit to a country of having reserve status has, has little to do with foreign exchange. It's a stronger U.S. dollar tends to help inflation, all right? But look, we've heard recent commentary uh, about it, and it's all going wrong, you know, that because of the reserve holdings, foreign institutions are sitting on seven trillion in treasuries. A, a, wrapping, a rapid unwinding of that, uh, stocks and bonds, whatever, would be negative, okay? So it, it, it could be a problem, but the question is, do you trust China or do you trust Russia enough to put your hands in their currencies? China does not support their currency at all. Okay, so there's there's some there's limited alternatives, limited options, and that's where I think people have to pay attention. Now, look, uh, the banking stress of March has faded uh, into April, setting the stage for what likely could be the last Fed rate hike, which would be great. Yields across the fixed income markets have risen modestly. We said they would a couple weekends ago. Dollars risen. Now, I think there's going to be a little spike in inflation just to make sure we're all paying attention. But, you know, look, I think zero to two years is where you want to be in the Treasury Department or in the CD Department. That's where the best yields are. So people keep asking me about that, and I'm just telling them that's where I would put my money. Okay. Now, I also think dividend growth. You know, we're, we're, for next year, it's going to be slower, but it's going to be solid. Okay, so that's something to pay close attention to. And the other thing is higher interest rates may persist and they may be good for one or two years, but you're going to have a reinvestment risk going forward on your two uh, zero to two years uh, uh, treasuries or CDs. But I don't think they're going to stay up that long. And if you look at the P.E. valuation of the uh, dividend aristocrats, they're below average. Not much, but they're below average. And I think that's important. Okay, but the. 
dividend growth, and if you compound it by reinvesting those dividends, has outperformed the market by for a long time by a lot. <laughs> I mean, if you put, you know, like a hundred bucks in, okay, uh, in nineteen ninety, you'd have thirty six, thirty seven hundred bucks in dividend reinvestment. You'd have barely two thousand in just regular markets. Okay, now why is that important? I keep talking about this silver tsunami. Okay. All these people are getting older. Okay. The baby boomers are getting older. They're, it's, it's one of the greatest wealth periods in our history. They want to keep it. Bonds are okay. But if you go out beyond two years, I think you've got some, some risk in the bonds. And even at two years, if they start lowering their interest rates, that's where it's going to be folks. Okay. So, I'll just leave it at that. A couple other things I'll mention very quickly. You don't have to be a client to start a wealth plan. I had some people do it last week. I thought it was very encouraging. We're going to show them a couple things. I can't take you to playground until you're a client, but we can we can talk about it. And I think it's very important to have a plan. I would also suggest that the family inventory workbook, if you have multiple accounts at multiple people, I don't have to see it. You just get the, the inventory workbook put it together and hand it to your loved ones or keep it in your safety deposit box. That's where they know all your insurance people, your attorney, your, your brokers, everything you have, all your real estate, it's all in that one place. Uh, believe me, it, it's, it's saved a lot of people, a lot of money and a lot of time, but let's take a break. Remember the phone number here is 216-901-0945. We'll, we'll be right back to the smart investor show. Bill Gartner, Empire Window Company, joining us once again here in studio. Bill, good to see you. Good to see you, Bob. Thanks for having me out. 63 years in now. What does that mean to you? It means we're doing what we say we're going to do. We're standing behind what we say we're going to do. We're giving a great product. We're giving a fair price. And ultimately, we're treating you the way we want to be treated. You know, if I run into you out and about at a restaurant or getting an ice cream cone or an amusement park or a baseball game, I want to be able to have a conversation with you, not have to run. You know, so ultimately, it's just doing what I know, doing what I love, and doing what I grew up with. Something we don't worry about where I live, but for a lot of people, gutters are a problem. You guys have an answer for that now, too? Now is a great time to take advantage of gutter guards. We're offering 30% off at this time. Spending a little bit of money, especially with a 30% discount on gutter guards, can save you big bucks later. It's a small investment when you consider that versus getting up on a ladder year after year. No, I don't want to be up there doing the gutters either. Get the gutter guards. It makes sense. Absolutely. Don't forget to hit that website, empirewindowcompany.com, and call that number, 855. 576 Empire because you deserve a fair price. Listen to this station anytime, anywhere on Odyssey. Odyssey is your new audio home for all the music, news, sports, and podcasts that matter to you. Odyssey. That's A U D A C Y. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Son of a gun. Okay, a little Carly Simon to start us off this afternoon. Good, good stuff for a rainy day. 
So I, I listened to Mark Newton this week uh, from Funstrat, really bright guy, great uh, technician. He took over for Rob Schleimer, who, as you know, was, was with RBC uh, on an institutional basis, went over to Funstrat and came back to take over for Bob Dickey. And he had some interesting stuff, and, and I'm, I'm going to just review a little bit of what he had to say this week, because I think it's good info. Uh, you know, he said, look, uh, first of all, the indices have pushed higher before the last five weeks, and sectors like discretionary healthcare and financials have outperformed. At the same time, technology, which had led the way for a while, has lagged, okay? So the S&Ps just below this 4,200 level that we keep talking about, and you know, you're you're talking about pre-election year seasonality, and it continues to outweigh the negatively, you know, negativity towards the FMOC and some of the earnings. So, bullish sentiment has slowly but surely escalated, which makes me a little bit, uh, you know, I'm a little bit weary of that. Treasury yields have stabilized, and I think there's going to be a bounce in them. I think there's, you know, there was a bounce. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and I thought the same thing for the dollar. The dollar's bounced a little bit. And now I think it's going to be inflation is going to bounce a little bit. And I think the dollar weakness is, you know, is really stalled out. And commodities have turned back higher, which is uh, interesting. Okay. Uh, cryptocurrencies have rallied sharply. I don't know if that means there's a little bit of inflation out there. Uh, you know, they tend to move beforehand. But the, S, you know, the, the Standard Poor's 500 remains trending higher. And it's, you know, it's that 4,200 level. Remains elusive, but if we get through that, uh, or 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 maybe the uptrend line getting back to mid March, uh, it would you know which is a little bit higher by forty three fifty I believe. But look, it's still trending up from last October's lows. The weekly momentum breadth remained positive. That's positive. Um, you know we do have some minor waning in recent weeks, just so you know. Uh, but the inter- intermediate term breadth expansion has held up which is, I think is important. Uh, nearly 60% of the S&P 500 issues are above the 200-day moving average. Technically, that's very positive. And technology's minor consolidation hasn't had much effect on the returns, and, and tech has reclaimed the spot as the best-performing sector year-to-date, which is, I think is good. Financials managed to hold support relative to some of the former lows what I think is important is J.P. Morgan led the way out. Boy, that was a great quarter. Uh, U.S. Treasury yields and the dollar look to close to be peaking. Uh, and you're getting the pre-election cycle, okay? Uh, now, I got to admit that the, you know, the one thing I was counting on was the sentiment had been very negative. So it's diverged a bit. Uh, investors intelligence, and I'm talking about the AAII, the American Association of Individual Investors. And investor intelligence and fear and greed index have often gotten more bullish nearly uh, near early February uh, levels. So got to be careful there. Uh, Look, I think 43.25, if we break that, it's start of a major bull market. Uh, And I think 3,800, maybe 3,750 is the line in the sand. Um, So, no, I mean, you always got to have some warnings, I think. you know, the S&P largely has gone nowhere in six months, and several of the FANG members have accounted for a majority of this year's performance. Um, you have breath waning this, you know, in recent weeks, and it's mostly on technology. Sentiments begin to show some bullish readings. Uh, seasonality will turn negative, you know, sell in May and go away uh, until All Souls Day. Uh, 
Both daily and weekly cyclical composites suggest weakness could be possible in May. Like I said, I think this would be a big move. Uh, but I'm just looking at a couple things. I just don't know which direction it's going to be. Um, we'll see what happens. And, you know, Europe remains extraordinarily strong. You know, the Euros, the stocks 50 has pressed up uh, near yearly highs. Um, we'll see what happens in mid-May, you know, because that's when you have to go away sometimes. Uh, so it, it's it's a, a very interesting uh, scenario. Now, Treasury yields, you know, I said they bounce, but they broke their short-term uptrend line, so they may roll over here. A lot. That would probably hurt the dollar, too. Uh, but I think there'll be a bounce in, in, in the uh, inflation before, you know, the inflation numbers come tend to lag the the treasuries okay uh now growth has improved versus value this year uh we'll see it's we're in a kind of a minor consolidation we'll see what happens but the new york's uh advanced decline line suffered a kind of a false breakout back in february so we got to see that break out above uh, resistance again uh before everybody gets you know carried away now the mcquellen Summation index, which is something I watch very closely, has finally turned back higher after a steep drop from February. So the market breadth is returning, but it has some work to do. Okay, so uh, I'm bringing that up simply because I'm I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but I, I think you got to pay uh, close attention. Now, fruit broke out and then broke back down again. So I, I don't don't what to make of that. But copper, you know, had been in a bit of a uh, Consolidation and broke the downtrend line, and silver did the same thing. Uh, grains have been, you know, rice looks good. The rest of the grains look not so good. Uh, they've been the downtrend, so it's it's kind of we're kind of in a weird time because you really have to uh, be looking at the charts to see what's working. Like Latin America has started to uh, look more attractive given the falling dollar. Now, if the dollar comes back down. Uh, that would be a, probably a pretty good place to go. Okay, so remember uh, Rob Schleimer last week talked about the ten-year yield breaking its uptrend line. All right, so it, it did rally and then broke down a little bit, but you know the momentum was fairly oversold. So you know it was a pretty easy call calling it. The S and P 500, like I said, on a daily basis, has is a little bit overbought. And the VIX being under 17, there's, I mean, it's been averaging like 27. So, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. The, the NASDAQ composites the same way. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing, you know, he talked about oil. You know, oil broke the short-term downtrend line and then fell back into it, which usually means, you know, you have to get above that line again. So I think you got to watch the uh, S&P 500 energy and, and production index. That'll be, uh, you know, it's kind of oversold, uh, but it needs to rally and, and, and for, I think, for oil to rally, you know, um, and that's what's important. Um, you, you're, you know, you're, you're looking at stuff sometimes that uh, you're, you're trying to predict the future and it's not that easy, but that's what you got to look for. Now, one of the things that encourages me is, is if I look at a, uh, a monthly chart and I go back to 2009 and I draw an uptrend line uh, or an uptrend, we stayed within the higher highs and we stayed within the higher lows ex with the exception of, of one month in 2020. And we rallied right back up and we're holding that line now. So 
in reality, we're still in a bull market. Now, this has been different because in the last couple of times we've hit the upper trend line, we've gone sideways to down a couple of times. This time we went straight down because interest rates went straight up. And if you look at the ratio of the S&P 500 versus bonds, they're kind of even steven right now. So that's something uh, people have to pay attention to. And I think you, sh- you should, because it's one of those things where I don't think everybody uh, is on the same wavelength, you know. But look, one of the things you just got to remember is that the, the VIX broke 17. And that's kind of interesting, I think. Uh, and usually we've had big moves. Either, you know, the VIX is going to collapse or it's going to spike back up to, you know, it's been averaging about 20, I think it's 2680. So usually that's the case. Now, look, growth versus value, growth is really doing better in the mid caps and the small caps. In the large caps, they're kind of dead even. So when you're you're looking at growth, you want to make it in the mid cap and the small cap area. Uh, Some aren't participating and some highly rated stocks here at RBC aren't participating, but the charts sure look good. All right. So we'll see what happens going forward. Now, uh, people are asking me, you know, where, where do we, you know, where do we buy on the bond market? And like I'll say zero to two years is where I'd stay. That's uh, the best yields, best deal for the money. Um, the, the longer term bonds have always come down. I mean, you know, we were at 440 on the 10-year. We're now at 356. So uh, you've come a long way. That's, you know, the bonds have rallied. So uh, I'm not sure about that. You know, the dollar did make kind of a double bottom at 101.5. And it will be interesting to see, uh, you know, 105.8 is, you know, if it broke through there, that'd be, it's a long way now, okay, uh, for the dollar to move. Four is a long way. And I'm looking at the DYX now, not the UUP that I talked about last week. So those are some things. But once again, oil broke out, broke its downtrend line, short-term downtrend line, and pulled back. And so that's not something that you really want to be paying attention. I mean, you want to pay attention to it. You know, gold tried to break out. It couldn't. It rallied back to the resistance line and pulled back. So uh, gold's having a hard time getting through. Uh, usually, if you have a couple tries, that's a double top. So you want to see it, you know, come back and then rally through if if you're long gold. Uh, right at the moment, I don't think it's, you know, we're, we're having, uh, well, let's just say, uh, I don't think we are 100% sure that that's going to happen. Okay. So let's, we'll just leave it at that. Um, in the meantime, I think it's time to take a break. And the number here, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. The straight talking, hard working, do it right plumbers at Wyatt Works will unclog your drain for only $93. Or it's free. What's the catch? There's never a catch with Wyatt Works. I'd rather starve than do business that way. We really will break up your clog and get your water flowing again for $93. Plus, we'll send a camera down the line so you can see exactly what you're dealing Most with. Most of the time, clog busting's all you need. Walla doodle. 
back to your regularly scheduled life with a 12-month no-backup guarantee. If your drain line needs more, we'll explain all the options, including flexible payments and guaranteed estimates. And on the off chance clog busting can't get your drain flowing, our service call is free. You'll still get upfront pricing on solutions to your problem, but with no initial service fee. That's on us. Either we deliver on our promise clog busting, or it's free. So don't put up with half solutions or slow or clogged drains. Call Why It Works and consider it done. License number 30185. Dennis Prager here, and now is the time to sign up for our trip to Israel this fall. Mike Gallagher and I are headed back to Israel this October. Don't miss the Stand with Israel tour with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. We'll visit amazing places in Israel sure to profoundly inspire you with every step. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com, or 855-565-5519. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, you just tuned in. This is the Martin Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, look, I'm going to mention something. We're, we're having Marshfield come into town. And just so you know, Marshfield has been a money manager I've used for a long, long time. And in 2021, they were up over 30%. And in 2022, they were up six and a quarter after fees. Okay. They're very good at what they do. They're very patient, uh, drive people crazy, drive most of my clientele crazy, but they're very good. Uh, they're going to be in town May 10th. Uh, I'm only looking, I'm not, I'm not opening this up to the general public. I'm, I'm talking about four or five people. If you're interested, call me uh, at the office on Monday. Okay. Uh, they, they do require a hundred thousand dollar investment. Just so you know, they're very good at what they do. All right. So, um, you know, I, I was looking at the volatility index and, and, you know, the market, the volatility in the market has been crushed recently uh, since peaking in March, uh, you know, back to the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. So we, we got it. We, we had the volatility index break to a new low at six at 17, now below 17. And that usually means, uh, well, it's, you got to look at, at there's a thing called an average true range or an ATR. And the VIX, the average true range is based upon the action, while the VIX uses options price to derive the implied volatility that's focused on future expectations, okay? So the average true range for it has declined to the lowest level in almost a year, uh, with the data starting back in January of 2022. The ATR began its most recent decline in late March, okay, and has almost exclusively headed lower since. We had a reading of 45. The ATR doesn't make a statement on which way this break will occur, and I think it's going to be a big break, but it does help identify when the ATR may, may expand, either larger up or down moves in the index. Okay, so I talked about this earlier. I wanted to emphasize it. All right, so the bullish percents at 47.6, 
Um, so it was up about uh, 1.5%. Remember, under 50 is a pretty good place to buy. We're in a column of Xs. And just to, to, for people who are listening for the first time, we go from zero to 100. Column of Xs means we have an offensive team on the field. The column of Os means we're defensive. Now, uh, domestic equities have, have moved up, so they're number two now. And uh, so we have uh, <laughs> international equities are number one, domestic equities are number two, cash is number three, and then it goes bonds, currencies, commodities. Uh, our, our bonds, commodities, currencies. So the point is, is that we're in a pretty good spot right now. All right. Uh, but I think you have to be defensive because we're at that, you know, we got to get past that 4,200 level. Now, over the counter index is still in the column of O's and the world index turned into a column of X's. So the world index is actually at 43. So it's in pretty good shape. Okay. Uh, now, remember, when you get below 30 on this, on, on the bullish percent, that's the green zone. That's when everybody's bearish. That's when you want to be bullish. When you get above 70, that's where everybody's bearish. So at 50, you're, you're mid-ground. So you're still, you're still, you can still run the ball. I don't think you want to throw the long pass like you would if you were below 30, okay? Uh, you, know, you hand off to the fullback when you get over 70, <laughs> all right? So uh, now the NASDAQ composite is right where it could break a triple top, okay? So I think it needs to get to 12,350. Uh, and that would be very positive, okay, because it's broken downtrend line a couple times. And uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, but once again, you know, we're looking at this volatility index and we're saying, hey, you know, uh, but the, 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 there is a spread for the, for the S&P, uh, for the NASDAQ, uh, a rolling three months performance spread. And if you look at it versus the NDX, which is the NASDAQ 100 versus the NASDAQ composite, the NASDAQ NDX. It's outperformed the NASDAQ composite pretty drastically. And usually after that three-wedge spread, there's a reversal. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but the sectors, are there's not much changed. Although I will say today I did my charts, and almost 70% of the stocks were healthcare. About 35% were biotechs. Small cap biotechs, by the way. And, you know, Rob Schleimer said that would happen back in December. And so far, he's been right. Now, basic materials are still the number one asset class and highly favored. Next step down is technology, industrials, consumer non-cyclical or staples, and consumer cyclical. There's a lot of you know uh, retailers, that's what basically they are, that are breaking out here left and right, okay? And healthcare is right be behind that, and healthcare has held its ground. It hasn't pulled back. Now, communication services, which was dead last, has moved into second place. That's the metaverses. Verizon's and all those names in, uh, in the world, uh, they've been beat up pretty bad. Industrials, I mean, basic materials, it's, you know, that's an overweight. Industrials are still overweight. Consumer cyclicals, I'd probably equal weight. Healthcare is equal weight and is improving, like I said. And communication services is underweight, but it is getting interesting. All right. So it did go above real estate. International equities, um, I, I was looking at the e EWU versus the EZU which is uh, basically the Eurozone, okay? Uh, and if you look, the uh, UK versus the Eurozone, we saw five consecutive buy signals from the UK. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that continues, all right? Uh, fixed income, long-term treasuries rose slightly over the last week. 
Uh, the 10-year Treasury yield index has now formed but not broken a triple top at 360, all right? So what I'm talking about is the yields now. So you don't buy the yields here. So if we break that 360, I remember I told you they'd pop a little bit. Uh, the, if you look closer in on the yield curve, the five-year Treasury return returned to a buy signal. So what we have is the shorter yields coming down with the longer yields coming back up, which is correcting this inverted yield curve a little bit. Okay, so we'll see what, how that works <laughs> going longer. But uh, we did break a double top on the, the five-year index um, for yields now, okay? So uh, what, what I'm suggesting is yields are going a little bit higher. We'll see what happens. Uh, floating rates still look, you know, they tend to benefit from rising rates. They've they moved back to first, in the asset class on a relative strength basis, meaning they they look the best, okay? Uh, that means more people are buying them and selling them. Now, somebody asked me about oil. It's on a relative strength buy signal, a positive trend, but it did, didn't did hold up as well as you'd like it to. And gold is still on a positive trend, uh, but still hasn't broken out to a buy signal yet, okay? So uh, that, this is all on point and figure charts. This is X's and O's. You know, they've been using those a lot longer than using, you know, candlesticks and all the rest, by the way. So it, it's kind of a, a an interesting uh, uh, time. And, and I think, you know, if you, you know, you just got to go back and, and sometimes take a look at the long term. And remember, we start, I think we started a cyclical bull market back in 2016. Now, everybody says, oh, this is a cyclical bull market. It is a bear market within, I'm sorry, it's a structural bull market. This is a cyclical bear market within a structural bull market. But if we go, go back and we go back to the last three major bull markets and we go to the bottom, and I'm talking 1929 now, okay, so when it peaked in, in the 60s, it was a 2,300% move. And then we had our cycle in the, in the 70s where we hit the bottom and we went to the top in, in uh, 2000. We had a 23% move, okay? So if we just go to 2,000, over the next 10 years, you could be seeing 13,500 to 14,000 if, okay? So you never know. Things change. But I, I keep talking about the four-month over the 13-month moving average, and this is important because this is one of Bob Dickey's favorite indicators. And we had the highest momentum indicator ever. That I, well, I've seen in the last 20 years anyway, for the, the histogram here. And now we've had the lowest, and we're starting to turn. So that's not usually how a bear market starts. And, and I, I go back to that chart dating back on the, you know, the S&P 500 dating back to 2009, which was the low. Okay? We've held the trend line. Very important. We've held the trend line, which is at about 3,500, I think, or 3,800. I think 3,800 to 3,750 is kind of a line in the sand. So, you know, we broke the downtrend line, and now we're starting to, uh, to move back up. But people are getting a little bit too bullish right now, okay? So, you know, you want, you, you want them to, to be a little bit bearish and stay that way for a while. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, I think, is important, very, very important. Uh, somebody asked me about, you know, hey, I want to buy a house. I think you better read what the Biden administration is doing, okay? They're talking about May 1st 
they're we're going to outright socialism. If you have a credit score over 650, you now have to pay up on your interest rate so you can pay for the guy who doesn't have a good credit rating. Straight out socialism, folks. Uh, so I don't think interest rates are coming back down for a long time. Uh, I don't think that it'll be very tough for the new people to buy houses, uh, especially if they have a good credit rating. They're they're making them pay is what it comes down to. No comment. Uh, but anyway, it's something you, you have to remember uh, going forward. So I don't think interest rates are coming down for a pretty long time. Uh, people have asked me that several times. I think that, you know, you got to pay attention. Now, look, uh, there's a, uh, people were asking me, I got, uh, Ned called me this week and asked me about commodities. And I said, look, I, I, the wheat, people are so short wheat. I, I You know, it's like the S&P 500. See, we're very short the S&P 500. Very rarely is the crowd right. Okay? When everybody else is buying all those uh, Mimi stocks that had no fundamentals, they've all got killed. All right? So in the long run, the crowd is usually not right. So people are short wheat. People are short rice, too, uh, which that makes no sense because there's a shortage of rice. Uh, but, you know, when you see that type of thing, you got to pay uh, fairly close attention. And so if it's commodities are concerned, uh, you know, like I said, copper broke its downtrend line short term. Uh, it's still not a breakout or anything like that. You know, what you do in commodities is you buy breakouts. And then if it breaks out from, you know, it's the box theory. You, you buy it, it makes another uh, box and you buy it again. Right. Uh, and that's how you make a fortune in commodities. You keep buying the boxes. And as soon as it breaks down on the box, you're out. That's how they work. Uh, but I think, you know, look, the, Q, the S&P 500, the QQQ remain pointed higher at this point, And the financial strength is the positive. So, you know, the J.P. Morgans of the world and the Bank Americas are holding up fairly well. You know, uh, Blackstone broke out. And, um, you know, so some interesting things are happening. And also China. China, I'm going to, some stuff's going on there that it looks looks fairly interesting. So we'll see what happens going forward. But I think it's important that you you pay attention to that type of thing. So anyway, let's take a break. The the number here is 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. You are the woman that I've always dreamed of. Be prepared if you're going to argue with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Let's go to line two, Al in Pennsylvania. Al, sorry, are you still there? How dare you interject facts into an argument? That's just <laughs> it's outrageous. How dare I use facts? Never let facts get in the way of a good Democrat narrative. Am I correct? <laughs> Boy, that's perfect. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6 on AM 1420. The answer. Ben Shapiro thinks the Trump indictment might backfire. There's no question that Trump himself is benefiting from this politically speaking, at least inside the Republican Party. The latest polls show Donald Trump jumping to a significant lead in the Republican primaries, according to the UK Independent and a Yahoo News YouGov poll of over a thousand adults. Trump has dramatically widened his lead over potential other nominees. The Ben Shapiro Show, Saturday afternoons from 3 to 6 on AM 1420. The answer. And Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want. 
and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. And uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And don't forget, you, you don't have to be a client to do a wealth plan. All right? So we'll, we'll do one for you. And I know you, you don't have the full capabilities, but you at least get the wealth plan under your, your belt. Uh, so if you'd like one of those, go to WHK1420. Uh, go down to local podcast, down to the Smart Investor Show. So you can go directly to my webpage there, okay? And then just hit the contact me or email me or call me. Uh, I pick up the phone pretty rarely. So now we're going to talk about insiders. Insiders uh, know their companies better than we do. And when they buy large, you should pay attention, okay? Now, I'm not telling you what I'm buying here. It's, you know, if you're listening to my show, you do your own homework. If you're doing business with me, I'll tell you what to buy. All right. So I saw a couple of things. Uh, Bob Dugan, who's a multi-billionaire, uh, who made a lot of money selling his company, U.S. Surgical, and then made a fortune on PharmaCycles and also clinical data. Uh, Summit Therapeutics, he bought 395, 314, 374 million dollars worth or 396 million dollars worth we'll call it that's that's not chump change folks and then eight nine bio ra capital bought 40 million dollars worth of stock um we have a great uh, report on that and then uh purple which is a uh, uh, a company that makes mattresses uh coliseum which is bought before bought another 24 million dollars worth of stock also um eight therapeutics uh you know Red Mile Group, which is smart money, and I believe they're a 10% owner, bought about $1.6 million worth of stock. And here's another one, gold mining, which is a Canadian stock at about a buck. Uh, we had the parent company buy, and they're a 10% owner, buy about $1.6 million worth of stock, okay? So that's not that's not chump change either. And then we had a, a little company called Ambrix Biofarm. Um, and uh, Cormorant Asset Management, which is pretty smart money, and they're a 10% owner, bought about 58, uh, almost $59 million worth of stock. That's pretty pretty big stuff right there. Uh, we also at Bright Cove, uh, we, we had the investors there who were 10% owners, Edenbrook Capital, buy uh, you know, 20 or 30, 40,000 shares that you like to see them continue to buy as they go down. <laughs> and then... Um, uh, Frontier uh, Communications Parent, which is now down to 20, we had Eris Capital buy uh, 200,000 shares one, two, three, four, five, six times. Uh, so, you know, that's $4.3 million each time. Uh, so it's a lot of, it's not chump change. And then also, uh, you know, I forgot that Cormorant uh, also bought uh, some more Ambrex. Uh, they bought about $23 million worth of stock uh, the last week, too. So I forgot to mention that. And then Tilly's, which is an apparel co- uh, company, Fund One Investments bought a million dollars worth of that, and they had bought, you know, 600000 And I believe um, they are a 10% owner of the company. So, you know, you know, they're buying quite a bit. And then B. Riley Financial keeps buying their own stock, and they, they bought three or four times to the tune of a million, two, million, three. Um, so this is pretty good, uh, pretty good stuff there. All right. So, uh, look, 
I think a lot of people are uh, just extremely paranoid, and uh, I'm seeing some things that I really like. I, I, a lot of little biotechs, you know, if you're into that thing type of thing, are going are breaking out. Uh, but also, I'm seeing medical tech, uh, medical devices, we'll call it, broke out, and uh, the, you know, I'm seeing some real interesting things. Uh, that bodes well for that part of healthcare, and and there's a lot of names out there that look really, really good. Uh, and semiconductors, you know, we talked about those a couple months ago, and they they've shown some minor minor weakness, but the uptrend remains intact, and I think that's important. So equity breadth has certainly waned a bit, but it's recent. It's mostly in, in technology. However, we've seen some mild recovery in the equal weighted S and P five hundred. So there's more stocks participating, and you know that's where we're. You know, I, I'm saying I'm talking out both sides of my mouth. We're seeing a little bit of both. You know, uh, I think commodities may rebound in May if the dollar, you know, uh, slides from here. If the dollar rallies, then I think, you know, you've got a problem. But uh, I do think that 4,200 level on the S&P 500 is is very, very important. And if we stall out there, we get another pullback. And I just think, you know, you have to be paying attention uh, there um, and make sure that you don't do anything uh, stupid, um, you know, but you wait for things to come back to you. Like I told you, everybody. You know, our friends at Marshfield, who I said would be here May 10th, there's only four or five seats. So, uh, you know, if you want to come, it, you know, it's a $100,000 investment, but they, I don't think they've, they had one year where they lost money, you know, more than 2% uh, in in the 27 years or 28 years I've been following them. And that was 2008, and they lost 15% and made it back up the next year. So, they're very good at what they do, and they've outperformed the indexes by three percentage points for long for a long period of time. Um, but growth has shown just a minor pullback, where some of the value stocks, you know, the industrials got whacked pretty hard, and I've been talking about those for about six months now. But uh, I, I, I do think, you know, I, I, I was listening to uh, uh, Mark Newton this week, and I said, you know, as I said, he's fund strats. Uh, technician and you know he he's a little bit concerned going to late april just because you know go away in may and come back you know on all souls day uh but if you r- rallied above 4200 that would you know my fears would be over and then then we'd be looking at 4325 for the next uh major uh resistance level so a rally above 4200 and remember i i said that you know, the way the volatility index, and there's a couple other things that I look at, I think there's going to be a big move. I just, I can't figure out which direction it's going to be. Uh, and that's the hard part sometimes when you got several of your indicators indicating a big move. Now, the bullish percent is positive. So if it rallies up from here, it, the big move's going north. All right. So just, just remember that part. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I think you have to pay attention. So what would I be doing right now? I'd be going to WHK 1420 AM going to local podcasts, going down to the Smart Investor Show. And, you know, I highly recommend, there's a banner there, it says Insight. And there's a, there's another new report there this week. And they name names in these reports, okay? You can also hit contact me for a wealth plan or a, uh, you know, <laughs> 
look, what I'm trying to do is get you organized. A family inventory workbook, it puts all your financial stuff in one place. You put it in your safety deposit box. Everybody knows about it when eventually if something happens to you, okay? It's a very, it's an organizational scenario. The wealth plan, look, I told you, I, I've dealt with people who are doing wealth plans that aren't interactive, okay? This is interactive. We can, we can say, what if we did this and play with it? And you can get, you know, am I going to fail or am I going to be okay? Okay. And it, it's a great piece. And, uh, but unfortunately, you've got to do that when you're a client. If you're not a client, you at least got the wealth plan on your hands. And I, I would say as we get older, dividend growth portfolio is something you have to pay attention to. If you'd like the dividend growth, growth portfolio, or if you're just looking for income now, our prime income list, we have them available. Uh, you just hit the contact me and uh, email me. If you want to sit down and have a cup of coffee, please let me know. We'll be glad to. Remember, just we're just taking four or five more people from Marshfield, May 10th. It's going to be in Westlake. Uh, it'll be a – these guys always do a great job. Um, in the meantime, have a great weekend, and remember to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.